Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Chaos Ball Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Got another preview pod for you. This one, the NL East. What a division. Uh, I did say the AL East was probably going to be my next one, but I lied. I'm doing the NL East because I want to. That's that. The NL East, home to the richest owner in all of baseball. Everyone knows who he is, Stephen Cohen of the New York Mets. I, I'm fascinated, like, how much money do you think he carries around in his pocket? Like, I assume billionaires like that aren't just, like, walking around the streets of New York. They probably have a different means of getting from one place to another. Uh, but let's just say he's taking a stroll just down the streets of New York. Do you think he carries his wallet, like, with a lot of cash? I would probably lean he doesn't carry any cash. Like, all of his money is tied up in accounts somewhere online, right? Honestly, I don't know. I'm not going to worry about it. I will not have that much money ever in my entire life. But what a division, what an off season this entire division had, to be honest with you. Uh, and without further ado, let's just get into it here. Let's discuss the Washington Nationals first, because let's just get him out of the way. The Washington Nationals, famously um, World Series winners in 2019, and uh, essentially everyone from that team, except for, I want to say, what, Steven Strasburg, Patrick Corbin even, are off the team now. Uh, they went 55-107 and 107 last year. Worst team in baseball in terms of record. And really, uh, are we surprised? I mean, looking at this team... It's pretty bad. Uh, it's really not good, obviously. I mean, they won 55 games last year. Their Pythag said 56 and 106, so maybe they could have won one more game. Who knows? Uh, just a bad team. Just a bad, bad team. What a fall from the height of 2019. And their two best hitters, or at least last year, were both traded at the deadline. You had Juan Soto famously traded to the San Diego Padres as well as Josh Bell. And now you're kind of left with no one. Um, this team doesn't even project to have amazing prospects. They don't project to do many good things again this year. Uh, the projections have them at around 63 wins, like in the 60. 1 to 64-ish range. Um, so again, close to a 100 loss team projection-wise. And I mean, I don't need projection systems and computers and math to tell me how bad this team is going to be. Um, it's just, I think this is comfortably going to be the worst team in baseball again. Uh, and honestly, I don't know what their over-under win total is, according to BetMGM. But I will probably undoubtedly be taking the under. I mean, it would take a lot for this team to win more than, like, 70 games. They do have young fellas that they, like, got back in the trades that they made of their stars. I mean, they got back from the Padres. Like, they got back Mackenzie Gore and C.J. Abrams, which are the Padres' top two prospects. Um, and so we'll get to see a full season of both of them Presumably C.J. Abrams starting at shortstop. There's no one ahead of him that should start. And then Mackenzie Gore will probably be their number two 
maybe number three. Um, I man, this team. Just looking at it, it's just unfortunate. Uh, takeaways from last year, the guys who are going to be coming back to the team. Joey Manesis, uh lit the world on fire in 56 games when he came up last year. And, I mean, there's no, there's no way he would sustain this type of production. If he did, it would be a, a Mike Trout level of like shortened rookie year to then potentially rookie of the year because Manesis in 56 games, he put up a 324, 367, 563 slash line with 13 home runs, 34 RBIs, uh, and 165 WRC+, plus, which I made a tweet about, uh, or I'm going to make a tweet about, and uh, it's crazy, I think, he would have been fifth in the league in OPS plus. I mean, obviously the 56 game threshold is very low, but just he was he was one of the best players in the league for those 56 games. One of the best hitters, crazy. Uh, and I'm assuming now Josh Bell is gone, so he will probably slot in at their starting first base. Uh, him and well, maybe I don't know. They have they have Dominic Smith, uh, former Met as well at first, and like Heimer Candelario, but I, I find it hard to imagine that Manesis wouldn't be starting over there at first. Uh, he might just full-time DH, because I don't think his defense was great last year. Obviously, you stick him at first, he can be a less, you know, optimal defensive guy, and you can get away with that for sure, but man, that was like one of their lone bright spots last year. I mean, Mackenzie Gore is inter- and CJ Abrams are both interesting you obviously you you hope they take a step this year. I don't know. I wasn't ever really convinced by C.J. Abrams, unless he becomes a really really good defensive shortstop. I just I saw what the prospect hype was about, but I never entirely believed in his game. And I want him to be good. He is insanely fast. Like he's a potential uh, potential. I don't know, twenty to thirty stolen base guy every year if he plays consistently. But his bat, since he's been up in the league, and granted, he only had like three hundred, like half a season of plate appearances last year as a rookie. Um, it was like okay, it was okay. There were some flashes, there were some some rookie moments, and you just look for him to take a step forward this year. Gore had some great moments last year for sure. I think um, that was that was probably tough for Padres fans to part with. I don't think they've had a pitching prospect come up quite like Gore in a very long time. And I think he's he's got ace potential for sure. Uh, I think in general the walk rate was a little high last year. Struggle with command, but his stuff is there. Like you can see it when he pitches. His stuff is no doubt very good. So and then he also struggled with injury as well. I don't know. This team's bad. I don't even want to keep talking about this team. The rotation is is not great. I mean, Josiah Gray is interesting. Patrick Corbin probably is pointed to as the most overpaid guy in the league right now. Um, and and it's just not, just does not have it. Mackenzie Gore and then Cade Cavalli, two of their top prospects for sure, um, looking for them just to kind of take a step forward. Cade Cavalli's got a really, really good fastball that he'll he will lean on this year. It's just all about 
developing a secondary pitches and, and locating said fastball. And they'll they'll probably be the number three, four guys in the rotation. They have Trevor Williams, who's fun and cool, like a cool guy. I don't like he's he's a fifth starter on every team in the league. Uh, Steven Strasburg is still on this team. Like, the bullpen does not have anyone really good except for, like, Cal Finnegan is a solid option. Carl Edwards Jr. is just fun to watch throw the baseball. And then, uh, like, Alex Colome is a name. No longer <laughs> someone super effective out there. Um, Erasmo Ramirez. Remember the eraser? The eraser? He's in the Nationals bullpen, too. <laughs> Uh, this, like, what did they, did they do much even in the off season? Um, and the answer to that is no, like not particularly. I mean, there wasn't much they could really do. Uh, they just signed a bunch of dudes, like a bunch of names, especially a lot of minor league contracts. Like they gave Corey Dickerson a one-year deal, Dom Smith a one-year deal, Trevor Williams a two-year deal, Heimer Candelario a one-year deal, Stone Garrett a one-year deal, Erasmo one-year deal, um, Sean Doolittle um, signed a, a minor league deal with them. Like, eesh. Uh-huh. And then there's just a lot of names like they like Michael Chavis, the Ice Horse, signed a minor league deal with them. Matt Adams. Um, Anthony Banda, Willie Peralta, like, eeh, eeh, man, come on, Tommy Romero, that's not a real name, um, and then Nelson Cruz, obviously they lost, which is just a, losing a culture guy like that's real tough, but after Soto was out of there, there wasn't much really I was looking forward to from this team, um, they did claim Jeter Downs from the Red Sox off of waivers, which is an interesting prospect. He was obviously a top pick uh, in the 20, I want to say 2019 draft, bounced around the minors, uh, went to the Red Sox. Red Sox just cut him, which is not a good sign from a once highly touted guy. Um, Really of no risk for a team like this to pick him up. Um... Yeah, there's not much. I mean, Victor Robles, at one point, I really thought was going to be great. Um, but now it just seems like he, he won't be because he cannot hit. Uh, his defense in center field is good and will always be good. I think he'll he'll stick around in the league just because he's a decent base runner and he's good in center field, which is a premium position. So you're always going to have a job if you can be a good defensive center fielder especially. But his bat just has not come along with his defense in, in terms of development. Uh, Corey Dickerson is a name. Stone Garrett, also a name. Um, I don't know, they got guys like Carter Kaiboom, who's he's real hurt right now. Like Luis Garcia will probably play the majority of uh, games from at second base. Uh, I mean, like Kybert Ruiz, their catcher, a lot of uh, defensive development needed from him, I think. But his bat was honestly pretty solid last year from a catcher, especially. He was uh, traded from the Dodgers to the Nationals, and he had a decent like defensive numbers last year. I just don't think his framing was really up to snuff. Not a lot of pressure on him to be really good right now, but I know... 
he's one of their better players, which tells you about the state of the team. There's not much else to I just I have not I have not much else to say about this team other than they're really bad. They're in one of the toughest divisions in baseball and I just don't see them winning a lot of games. Even in terms of prospects, they have a lot of prospects who are in like rookie ball or A ball. Uh, no one's really really close to the majors that projects to be all, like great. Like like they got a guy guys like Jackson Rutledge, Thad Ward who probably will throw innings this year. Cade Cavalli, as I mentioned, is probably the guy I'm one of their prospects I'm looking forward to watching most and will be pitching all year for them. But then like their top prospect, James Wood and like Elijah Green, they're they're really far off from the major league level at this point. And I don't even think they project to be amazing players. I know James Wood is their top prospect for a reason. He he was really a, a standout in the high school like showcase circuit before they drafted him and then like Elijah Green they just took I don't know there's like there's not any prospect on their team who will make their debut this year that I will be like oh that's appointment appointment viewing like when James Wood makes his debut in 2024 2025 more likely I will tune in he's a like a really tall outfielder very interesting player um in terms of just build but I won't be tuning in to too many Nationals games this year, even, like, yeah, for the prospects. Unless Joey Manises goes on a crazy run again um, and becomes the greatest player in the world, then likely this team will probably be the team I watch the least amount this season in baseball. They, according to Ben GM, they're projected for one more win than the Oakland A's with a 60-and-a-half, and I'm, I'm going to take the under on 60-and-a-half. I just... I know they're projected for over than that. I just, nah, uh-uh. They're not winning more than 16 and a half. I'm sorry. I'm taking the, I'm taking the under and I'm moving on to, um, the rest of the four teams are quite interesting in this division for a litany of reasons, but I'll move on to the Miami Marlins. They're a team that wildly confuses me in a lot of the things that they've done in the past decade. Um, but I do honestly enjoy uh, what they've done in the off season. You know, they they've compiled for so long up until this off season. Just you know, a lot of power guys, a lot of swing and miss in this lineup. They put together a pretty good pitching staff, to be honest. But the offense has never quite played to the level that they've wanted. I feel like especially because their ballpark is particularly tough on power hitters. Not the toughest, but it plays a little bit more to guys with gap power and like single hitting ability. Uh, And I think (laughs) GM looked at this team and was like, you know what? That power strikeout nonsense, it ain't working. Let's just start building our team like we're going to go back in time and play in the dead ball era because what did they do this offseason? They added contact, a lot of hitting guys. Um, they like just recently signed Yuli Gurriel, uh, who is very old and I'm assuming will be a backup at first base, but notably does not strike out really, uh, hits the ball a lot. Uh, last last year's playoffs, he went on a streak of like 55 plate appearances without striking out, which is honestly pretty crazy for today's 
day and age. Uh, the other free agents they signed, they did sign Johnny Cueto. Uh, and then I guess the quote-unquote big signing for them, they agreed uh, to a two-year deal with Gene Segura, who um, another, you know, relatively low strikeout, not a lot of power, but definitely a good hit tool sort of guy. And at this stage in his career, not as great in the field, but will be playing predominantly uh, third base, I think, for them this year, which would be fun to to watch him potentially play a full season at third. Um, and then, obviously, the the big move that they made this offseason, actually... Actually, they made they made quite a few trades this offseason. They were very, very active on the trade market. Um, but the big one, obviously, the Pablo Lopez trade. Uh, they traded Pablo Lopez and um, a couple prospects to the Twins for Luis Arise, another guy, again, who is the most elite in the league at not swinging and missing and putting the ball in play and just a perennial batting title uh, winner candidate for sure um, and that will just raise the floor of this offense instantly he gets on base more than all of their other offensive players um, this team last year their only like really positive offensive guys were Garrett Cooper who played not a whole year but more than some of their other guys and was more of a three true outcome sort of guy home run strikeout walk and then Jazz Chisholm, obviously, was he only played like 60 games, but he was Jazz Chisholm in those games. He was very good. He had 139 OPS plus in, yeah, 60 games. So you hope a full season from him, and you know he's going to be one of your best hitters, if not the best hitter. But now with Luis Rise and even Gene Segura and that offense, it just raises the floor a little bit, puts a lot more guys on base, puts a lot more pressures on pitchers because... You still have guys who project to be good, um, and this team is really interesting. It's still a very tough division, and they probably won't compete for it. But I'm not ruling out like a potential run to like the third wild card spot for this team. Honestly, I liked what I saw from one of their top prospects, Brian De La Cruz, last year. He a- appears to be a, a guy who I don't know exactly what his best strength is. He he. To me, it looked like he kind of did everything well. He struck out a decent amount, but not a crazy high amount. He got on base at a decent clip, um, showed a little bit of pop in his bat, and can play all the outfield spots. Uh, we'll be playing in the corners this year. But I really enjoyed what I saw from him last year. Otherwise, like, there's quite a few guys not on this team anymore. So who has left the team through those trades or just through being non-tendered. Uh, Brian Anderson, who was on the team for a while at third base, is no longer on the team. Uh, and then through trades, they lost uh, J.J. Bladez, uh outfielder. They traded Jose Salas um, and Byron Chirio with Pablo Lopez of the Twins. Miguel Rojas, shortstop, traded back to the Dodgers. Um, those are the, the, big, the big boys, really, that would have been most major league uh, applicable. But so from the A's in that J.J. Blade trade, they got back A.J. Puck, left-handed reliever, who I is an all-time like upside pick when he's pitching. He's really good, and he projects to be good. Um, just a power lefty who I I think there was more more expectation from him from the A's. But 
I think if he can remain healthy, he's a solid lefty out of the bullpen for them. Uh, and then they got also Jacob Amaya from the Dodgers for um, the uh, in that Miguel Rojas trade, who is a infielder. I think he plays second base and shortstop. Um, he again another guy where he projects to just be pretty good. I feel I can see him moving to second base in his career. Uh, he just seems like a guy who can walk pretty well, just be a, a league average to above league average hitter, play a lot. I don't know. I'm not super high on him, but I don't know as much about him as a lot of other prospect experts. But it's something they got out of Miguel Rojas, the veteran, who they didn't really no longer need on this team. And obviously the, the Dodgers really wanted to make that trade. So uh, that was that was something. Uh, and then just going into this season, there's a lot of really, really solid years to build on from last year. Um, I'll get to the pitching, but Joey Wendell, I honestly think, is a pretty underrated guy. He's a Rays. Coming up with the Rays, he was one of those guys who started playing a lot of games for the Rays, and it was like, oh, man, who who is this? Who is Joey Wendell? He doesn't use batting gloves. Interesting batting stance. He plays all over uh, and is good all over and good with his bat, and it's just a, he's just a Rays player, man. Um, he's good. Uh, he's solid defensively at, at short when he played there and at third base, he's good. He can play second. Um, this year he will be starting at short according to the Marlins. So that will be interesting to see. And then, yeah, as I said, Garrett Cooper seems like a classic slugging first base slash DH type. will strike out a lot, a lot of pop in his bat though. Uh, and if he can remain healthy, that's not a bad option at first base. He provides a lot of value at, like, the middle of the order, just a power guy. Jacob Stallings at catcher, I really like. He's just really good defensively. Um, will One of those, just he'll he'll hit in the back half of the order and not provide a whole lot of value at the plate. But defensively, he's a really solid defensive catcher and really did has done a very good job catching uh, the rotation in the past couple years and has definitely improved the... A lot of the guys in the rotation, just by virtue of him being a really good framer, he's got a good throwing arm, um, just a really solid guy behind the plate to develop your pitchers. And then Luis Rise, who will be playing at second base for them this year, again, um, I talked about him, he doesn't swing and miss, he had his breakout year last year, but he will probably hit above 300 this year, he'll get on base, he... Yeah, he just he doesn't he just doesn't strike out. Like he I think his whiff rate was seven percent. So seven percent of the time when he swung, he would swing and miss, which is an insanely low whiff rate. Uh he, they say, will just play second base. Uh one of his Achilles heels is he's not a great defender. At least I guess you can get minimize that at second base still. He doesn't project to be a good defender at second base, like he hasn't been. Um, and I thought initially when they sent him there, he was going to play first because he's played first in the past. I want to say he's playing first in the WBC, but they said, no, um, we're going to have Garrett Cooper stay at first, Luis Rez at second, Joey Wendell at shortstop, and Gene Segura at third. Gene Segura, good player. Talked about him again. Don't need to hit about, you know, hit on what he does. He's decent in the field, good bat, gets on base, can hit, doesn't strike out a lot. Again. We know Gene Segura. And they said Jazz Chisholm will be playing center field, which is interesting. Um, For all the Mariners fans out there, can you remember a middle infielder who the Mariners moved to center field? D. 
D. Strange Gordon, former Marlin as well, perhaps. Um, man, was he bad in center field. I can see this going way better for Jazz in center field. Um, he's an absolute athlete. So I think if anyone in the league would be like, hey, we're going to take you from shortstop, we're going to put you in center field, I think Jazz is probably the top guy to make that switch. Uh, and well, it uh, that'll be really, really fun to watch this year to see if he can put it together in center field. Uh, I'm sure they're not expecting him to be amazing, but serviceable at the very least, and they kind of need someone else to play in the outfield. So this makes a little bit of sense. I do worry about his injuries. He's had leg injuries, back, lower back problems and obviously there's going to be more miles on his legs at center field but yeah I don't know that's just so, it was so wild they came out and said that and everyone's like oh whoa, what okay so that is something if, if you're not going to watch the Marlins this year watch him for that um, and then you got Brian De La Cruz who I talked about slotting in probably starting left field uh, and then, like, Jesus Sanchez, Jorge Soler, Avisel Garcia, all will be in the mix for, for the other corner outfield spots. Uh, Jorge Soler had a pretty dreadful year last year. Hopes to bounce back. I just, it seems like, like, when he connects with the ball, he, he really connects with it. But he's connecting with the ball less and less these days. So, I... Fangrass has him projected as their starting DH and getting like 450 plate appearances, which I think him being a full-time DH will only help his career. Like, I don't think he wants to play in the outfield anymore. Uh, so maybe a, a, a sneaky, slight little bounce back season from Jorge Soler because, eek, man, last year was so bad. He hit, He only hit 13 home runs last year in his 72 games. He was hurt. And that's not bad for 72 games. But then he struck out 30% of the time, which is uh, a little bit more than he normally does. He was not good in the field. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, just bad. Like 207 average, 295 on base. That's not terrible. A little bit of a low BABIP. Still walked a little bit. The injuries worry me, but... Him at DH again, I think, will aid his career. And I think he will, if he plays more than half a season this year, I think he will be a, a one to two war player, which is not awful. You know, that's fine. That's exactly what you want from not your superstars. And that's kind of the offense. I like it. Uh, it's way more balanced than it has been. You got a lot of guys who can get on base. I think this is going to be a really tough lineup to pitch to with the additions that they made, like Arise and Segura and then. Uh, Joey Wendell is a guy like that who doesn't really strike out a whole lot, puts a bat on the ball. I just think it's going to be a tough lineup to get through. And I think uh, getting guys who can hit a lot and have more gap power rather than home run power will only aid them in playing to the strengths of their home ballpark. But now, I will get into the pitching. Is there anything else to say about Sandy Alcantara? Can he improve? Like, where does he go from here? Cy Young year has been pitching lights out for the past few years. So good. Uh, freaking one of the best change-ups I've ever seen. Like, he throws a change-up like 94 miles an hour in his fastball, 100 with absurd movement. Again, Jacob Salling is a great defensive catcher and only helps with framing. There's not much else to say about Sandy. He's awesome. I love watching him. Just a fantastic pitcher. Uh, and then the rest of the rotation, they do lose Pablo Lopez, which is huge. He's really good for them. 
but they do somewhat have the depth in terms of young fellas in this rotation, which is why they could have could afford to to get rid of him for a hitter they kind of desperately needed in the lineup. They signed Johnny Cueto, who at this stage in his career is a late uh, four or five starter who will eat innings for you and be fine, and he's fun to watch pitch. Um, but that's not there's not much else Johnny Cueto offers me, you know. Uh, then you have uh, Trevor Rogers, who really is looking like another bounce back guy, hopefully, um, because he had the the 2020, which he didn't pitch a whole lot in 2020. Not a lot of people did, but his stuff looked great in 2020. Um, and then he had the 2021 season was otherworldly. I mean, he was one of the best pitchers in the league. Didn't throw a full season. He was a little hurt, obviously, but. He looked so damn good, and then he comes out last year. He only pitches about half of a season, uh, but I don't know what happened. Like, couldn't locate any pitches. Um, just looked bad. Like, it was a complete shift from what he looked like in 2021. So I don't even know what to make of him because his velocity didn't fall off a cliff. He gave up a lot more home runs, a lot more hard contact. The BABIP was a little up. So maybe he got a little unlucky, but he he wasn't even walking guys in an especially high clip compared to what he normally does. He just struck out less guys, gave up more home runs. Uh, I think just fastball command wasn't great. I don't know. It's just I don't even know what to make of him going into this year. Anything better than last year's an upgrade. If he can get close to what he did in 2021, that's huge. Um, and then you have this dude, Edward Cabrera who uh, came up last year for them, one of their top prospects, an absolute flamethrower of a pitcher. Uh, his his numbers last year were good. He looked really good on the mound. He looked confident, looks to build on that because uh, he only played probably-ish half a season last year. So I think he will be fighting for like a final spot on the rotation. He's not just a, a shoe-in, but I think he will get that final spot in the rotation um it's probably him and him and Braxton Garrett will uh will fight it out for the back half of the rotation Braxton Garrett another young pitcher of theirs who pitched a similar amount to Edward Cabrera last year and also looked solid um so they have they have a pretty deep rotation because after those five guys or six guys those are six guys viable all starting pitchers they have one they have Sixto Sanchez who what ha, like what is happening to Sixto Sanchez uh obviously injuries have been tough but he just has completely fallen off a cliff in terms of production and just throwing the ball uh, um velocity like he's he hasn't pitched since 2020 which is alarming and I don't another guy I don't know what to make of him so and he doesn't fit on this rotation either. Like he's not going to pitch over any of those guys. So you hope they can rehab him well, have him start out in double A probably and see how he looks from there. Um, luckily they have a lot of other pitchers. And then the last guy I'll talk about on the starting pitching staff, who is their uh, top prospect uh, is Yuri Perez, who projects to have like, a fantastic fastball with really good command. I think his secondary pitches could use some work, but that's not like out of, you know, for a pitcher who has only reached double A in his career. 
uh, he's looked fantastic, and that secondary stuff comes along. But the fastball and the command is, whew, throws really hard. His ceiling is so high. Like, he's their number one prospect. And then at the same time, you also have uh, another, I think he's their number three prospect, Max Mayer, Meyer, um, who another power pitcher kind of fits the mold of these of these power Marlins pitchers. Um, unfortunately, he did have Tommy John surgery, so he's going to miss the whole season. So I, this isn't applicable to this season. I just want to talk about they also have another guy who is one of their top prospects who will be ideally debuting next season after he recovers from Tommy John. But this team last year, they won 69 games. Uh, this year, they're projected for around 77 because they did make a lot of improvements this offseason. Like I've said, there's a lot of solid rookie campaigns to build on. Uh, and there's the ceiling of this team is really high, not only for this season, but the next few seasons. Uh, because the, the bullpen is probably more uh, more of a weak spot. They did sign Matt Barnes or trade for Matt Barnes, which helps the depth. They trade for AJ Puck. They have like Tanner Scott out there who projects to be... Um, very good. He has pretty nasty stuff. And then, like, Dylan Floro uh, is a solid option as well. Like, JT Charquois they added this offseason, who was a decent guy just to throw innings for depth. I assume Sixto Sanchez will be in the bullpen. And then whoever ends up not being the fifth starter, Braxton Garrett, Yuri Perez, Sixto Sanchez, they will slide into the bullpen probably and, and help the team out that way. Long story short, I like the Marlins. Um, a lot of it's relying on health, particularly from the Jazz Chisholm side of things. And hopefully you get better stuff from Trevor Rogers this year. But you know what you're going to get from Sandy. Jesus Lazardo is, is a dog. Like That rotation has the potential to be a top 10 rotation in baseball. It's a ceiling thing. I'm not saying they will. It's a ceiling thing. The ceiling is very high. And then also Johnny Cueto is on the team, which I love Johnny Cueto, so that's a plus. This team is fun. It's a very tough division, which is just unfortunate. Um, but what are they? What are the? What is their over under set at on BetMGM? Seventy four and a half, smashing the over. I think this team can make the wild card this year. I think they could. Will they? Probably not, but like sneaky, they could. Man, they're 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 a solid team. Like their floor was raised so much this off season, with the ceiling basically remaining the same. It's it's all the same ceiling guys from last year. They just kind of raised the floor with the additions of the the pure hitters that they put into their lineup and a little bit of extra bullpen depth. So I believe in this team. I. Don't think I still probably think they'll finish fourth just by virtue of the three teams above them, but I like this team and I'll I'll take the over. So that's that, and let's get now into uh, the Philadelphia Phillies. I think everyone probably fondly remembers the Phillies season last year. They went on a miraculous run to the World Series. They fell short, lost to most likely, you know, the best team in baseball, the Astros. But what a run it was. I think everyone from an impartial baseball standpoint loved watching them in the postseason. They're an electric team. Uh, they built on their 2020 and 2021 seasons and their core um, by basically last season adding more hitting 
who were bad at defense. They're like, you know, our team's really good. The pitching is is fine. Um, the offense can rake. The defense is pretty bad. And they're like, let's just get more guys who can rake and screw being good at defense. And it kind of worked. Um, you have a Dave Dombrowski-built team, so you know it's going to be built through free agents. That's just how Dave Dombrowski is. You, you give Dave Dombrowski the keys to your baseball team, he's going to spend as much money as he possibly can within the owner's reason uh, to improve the baseball team and win. And it's worked for him, and it was a crazy idea, and it worked. They caught fire in the postseason, too, and it was so hard to get through that rotation, They or uh, the offense, I mean, the lineup. Unfortunately, they ran into the Astros, who probably the best pitching staff last season, especially depth and bullpen wise. They got a, you know, they got beaten the World Series. So how do you build on that? I don't think anyone expected them to be in the World Series, but nobody expected them to go to the World Series going into last season. And then even going into the postseason, it was like the Phillies, like it was a surprise they even got to the championship series. And then they beat the Padres and they go to the World Series. So how do you build on that? Obviously, you go back to the postseason as step one and you hope to catch fire again. Uh, they won 87 games last year. Their Pythag was 87 and 75. So they won the perfect amount of games. And then they're projected this year for around 87 and 75. <laughs> so they're projected to essentially do the same thing. And for good reason, the team is not super changed from last year. Um, the I I you could you could look at that projection and be like, why are they projected to do the same thing last year with what they did this off season? Um, and I'll talk about obviously the big signing in a second. But they lose Gene Segura, who was a very good bat for them last year, and they lose Zach Eflin who was a really good member of their rotation and had a great year last year. He signs a record-breaking $40 million deal with the Rays this offseason. I really thought the Phillies should bring him back. I thought it was a mistake to let him go. Uh, and then with the trades they made, they kind of mortgaged what they've had for what they needed. Uh, the big trade with the Tigers, they acquired Gregory Soto and Cody Clemens. Cody Clemens, a utility depth guy, who kind of will replace what Matt Vreeling was. So they, they sent over Matt Vreeling, Donnie Sands, and Nick Maton. Vreeling, Sands, and Maton, all depth guys last year on the team, but all seemed to be really good cultural mesh and like like club, like bull, like not bullpen, um, clubhouse guys uh, for that team who also were solid in the roles they had to play. And you, you I've, I've talked about this all the time. You need these type of guys to make a World Series run. Trading them is tough, but you get Gregory Soto, who is a great reliever and really strengthens their their bullpen, which was a not a strength for them last season all year. And Cody Clemens, who somewhat replaces what you've got from from Matt Reeling and uh, Nick Maton. So those are the guys they lost. And then they also lost Noah Syndergaard. He became a free agent. Like David Robinson became a free agent. Brad Hand as well. Chris Davinsky, Corey Knable. So they lost some bullpen guys from last year, but they they held on to Jose Alvarado and signed him to a three-year, new three-year contract, as well as Sir Anthony Dominguez, who were two their two best relievers last year. Alvarado was fantastic and projects to close out games for them this year again. 
honestly similar to, to Gregory Soto and I'm just a power lefty out of the bullpen. So those like adding Soto to Jose Alvarado and Sir Anthony Dominguez will greatly strengthen the bullpen. And they're pretty active free agency wise. Again, this is the Dave Dombrowski team. You'll sign free agents every year. Uh, the more, you know, non-flashy signings, Josh Harrison, they signed to a one-year deal as a, uh, a backup. They lost Gene Segura at second base. Um, and Gene Segura could back up second base, shortstop, and third. So Bryson Stott will slide in at starting second base, but then Josh Harrison will just back up uh, the infield positions. So, you know, not a flashy signing, a, a one that was needed. Uh, they signed Craig Kimbrell to uh, replace some of the bullpen that they lost. They signed Matt Strom to the bullpen as well. So they have somewhat replaced a little bit of what they lost from the bullpen in terms of just bodies. So that is good. And then um, they signed Taiwan Walker to their rotation as well. So they lose Zach Eflin. They signed Taiwan. And shout out to Taiwan. Love him. Loved him on the Mariners. Love to see him getting paid. Really good year last year. Built on a solid 2021 campaign and had a fantastic year last year. Um, the only thing I really worry about for him is his fastball velocity. Took like a mile an hour dip last year, but at the same time he struck out more guys and was just a better pitcher. So I don't know exactly what happened there, but um, he kind of just replaces Eflin in the rotation. Uh, and then obviously the big one, Trey Turner. Huge contract. I, I predicted it in my first offseason hot stove podcast that he was going to go to the Philly. It wasn't exactly a groundbreaking prediction because he said he wanted to be on the East coast to be closer to his family in Florida. And the Phillies obviously were going to be very active for a shortstop. Trey Turner seems like the perfect cultural fit. He fits the team really well. He's going to be fantastic leading off him, him getting on base in the leadoff spot for this team with all the sluggers behind him is, is dangerous. It adds to already one of the best uh, lineups in the league. And this lineup top down is a buzzsaw. It's going to be so hard to get these guys out. So they, they built on already one of their biggest strengths again, this off season, as well as kind of uh, patching up what they lost in trades and free agents with their pitching. So I do enjoy what they've done in the offense. And we know what, we know what Trey Turner is. Um, in the field, took a dip last year, but I think it, he just needs to be a serviceable shortstop to even be like to justify his, his bat and his base running. He's one of the best base runners in the game, one of the fastest, and he's just a really good hitter. Really good hitter. They'll have him for the next eleven years with with the rest of these guys like like Bryce and and just what a what a signing, what a signing. So. Offense pretty unchanged besides that from last year. JT Real Muto, best catcher in the game. Reese Hoskins at first. Uh, he rakes. Again, Bryson Stott. Uh, good in the field. I think his back can can use a little bit more love, but he'll play a decent second base. Trey Turner, shortstop. Alec Bohm at third base, who fits the Phillies mold of not great in the field, but can hit absolute dingers. Uh, famous for saying, I fucking hate it here last year, getting shit on by the fan base, but then coming back, and that says a lot about Alec Boehm. Because the Philadelphia sports fan base might be the hardest to come back from if they turn on you. And boy, did he do it. He did not fold. He didn't say, I want to trade. He just put his head down. He improved. And the fans love him. Uh, and I think they love him more for that. And 
that's awesome. Alec Baum's a really cool guy. And then the outfield, you have Schorber, um, second in home runs last year in all of the MLB to Aaron Judge. Absolutely rakes. Awesome dude. Awful in the outfield. They don't care. Uh, and then Brandon Marsh is their acquisition at the de- one of their acquisitions at the deadline last year, who is really good against the grain. Phillies guy for them. He's going to play a very good defensive center field. He's really fast. Will steal some bags. His bat is like okay. It's not good. Um, but they didn't acquire him for that. They acquired him to play good center field, which I respect. They're like, listen, if our team's going to be terrible in the field, we at least want a premium position up the middle. Up the middle, their defense is pretty good. Catcher, short, second, and center field. Their defense is actually solid there. It's the corners where their defense is very bad. But I like that strategy. Uh, and he's a definite cultural fit. He he literally dumps water on his hair every game so it's wet, and it gives him the edge. Uh, Nick Cassianos, very timely home run man in, in right field. And then obviously, we know about Bryce Harper. Uh, he is coming into the year hurt, so I assume once he comes into the, he he probably won't play any in any any outfield this year. I imagine he'll be a full time DH and only play outfield in the emergency situation. I know it's an elbow injury, and he is like just now starting to hit off a tee. I saw the other day, so that doesn't bode super well for wanting him back soon. But they will honestly just need him back for the latter half of the year in the playoffs, at the very least. Hopefully, he comes back before then. But I know he's projected around a he's projected to play like half of half of the season. So you hope you get him back, and he'll probably look like Bryce Harper. And really, you need him for the playoffs because clearly he turns the fuck up in the playoffs. So, and we know what Bryce Harper is. So. That's tough. He'll start the year hurt, which kind of hurts their their depth a little bit at like the DH spot specifically. But they'll be fine. Their offense will be fine. Um, their offense, it'll be amazing. It'll be awesome to watch. They'll hit a lot of dingers. Where things go slightly awry for this team slash intriguing is the pitching. So really good, really good top three starters. Uh, Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, and Ranger Suarez quietly is a very good pitcher who will throw a lot of innings uh, and is just an interesting, interesting southpaw to watch. But Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler, one of the better one-two punches in all of baseball right there, followed up by Ranger Suarez and Tywin Walker. That was a really solid four. And then the fifth spot is where things get real interesting. So Bailey Falter kind of was the de facto fifth pitcher last year, and I like Bailey Falter. I don't think a lot of people know a whole lot about him because he's not one of their best pitchers, but his numbers last year were pretty good. His expected numbers were a little bit higher than what his raw numbers looked like. But I think he was like more a more than serviceable rookie who, well, I don't know if he was a rookie. He played in 20... No, he was the, I think he was rookie eligible. I think he was rookie eligible. Unless he wasn't. Maybe he wasn't. I don't know. I'm not going to deliberate on this. But he, very serviceable, fifth starter. But then they have this dude who they're kind of just like, hey, if you want to earn the fifth starter spot, it's there if you impress us in spring. And that's Andrew Painter. There's been a lot of Andrew Painter talk. He's their number one prospect. And every 
Every scout I've listened to talk about him, everyone out of the Phillies says he's the real deal. I watched him in spring training this year. I haven't watched a lot of spring training because I don't generally watch a lot of spring training, but I watched him specifically because I wanted to see. And he looks he looks like the real deal. Elite fastball, good slider, can really command the fastball too. And projects to be one of the most electric young pitchers in the game this year. If he earns that number five spot, they're just going to give it to him as a rookie, which is sick, which is sick. Um, the other weird wrench in their pitching is this guy named Noah Song. And I could spend, you know, a lot of time talking about Noah Song, but he is, he was a pitcher who was drafted out of the Naval Academy, Navy, to the Red Sox in 2019. Uh, he had his first season in, in like short season A and was amazing in short season A. And then he had to leave baseball to go serve in the Navy, basically. But now he's back. He was a Rule 5 pick of the Phillies this year, which means the Red Sox didn't protect him. The Phillies took him. But what that means is he's on the roster, the big league roster, and to get him off, they just have to put him on waivers outright. And any team can claim him. So this guy hasn't thrown a pitch in professional baseball in three years. Apparently he's been active, like throwing during a service time, like keeping active in case this happened, but... One of the more intriguing stories this year is, like, will he stick on the roster? Like, I, I honestly think they'll probably just have him out of the bullpen, do some work, and see what he looks like. Because his ceiling is really high, but again, he hasn't thrown professionally in so long that, like, you just don't know what to make of him. I would recommend listening to someone else talk about it in more detail or looking up an article about him. It's a fascinating story, so go do that. Uh... And then their bullpen, I talked about Jose Alvarado and Serenthine Dominguez, uh, Greg Russo, Craig Kimbrell. That's a really solid four. They added Matt Strom. They have Connor Brogdon, Andrew Bellati as well. They have, you know, guys who will throw innings and be pretty good. I think their bullpen, honestly, will be better than last year's, barring injury. Um, but then that's like the weakness I see with this team is the pitching in general. Uh, Obviously, there's back-of-the-rotation questions. No matter how good Andrew Painter is or will be, he's still a rookie pitcher, and it's harder to predict those guys, and it's easier to say he's not going to light the world on fire immediately. Uh, but at least there's not as much pressure. He's the number five pitcher, potentially. So we'll see what shakes out with that rotation. I just have questions about the rotation depth because they are going to rely on Painter and Falter in the back of the rotation. But any injuries happen to this rotation, like they have another, one of their top prospects, Mark Abel, in the wings, I guess, could could pitch for them, like Griff McGarry. I don't know much about these guys, but it's a lot of reliance on young guys for their pitching depth, and that I can see coming into play as a fairly big issue for them if their rotation is banged up. Uh, otherwise, this team is great. Like The offense will pick up the pitching whenever they can. Uh, and Aaron Nola has been really healthy the past two years. Three, uh, Actually, no. He's been really healthy his whole career, basically. He's been very serviceable as the number one starter who's both good and throws a lot of innings. Zach Wheeler, there's always going to be injury concerns with Zach Wheeler, although the past few seasons with 
uh, this team. He's been quite healthy, so I just the 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 pitching depth I think is why the projections aren't as amazing for this team. But it's still a it's still a very good team, and I'm excited to watch them mash again. So let's let's see what their over under is. Their over under is eighty eight and a half. Hmm. That's intriguing. Uh, man, Vegas, they just know, man. I'm going to take the under. I'm going to take the under on this team. I think I think depth is an issue, and I think they get, you know, everyone deals with injuries. I just think their replacement guys will be less than ideal for them, and I think that will cost them some wins in the regular season. That being said, if they get into the playoffs again, they could go on another run like they did last year. But I will be taking the under there so that's the Phillies let's move on to let's talk about the Atlanta Braves shall we the Atlanta talk about a team the Braves talk about a team with depth uh, compared to the Phillies this team is so good and infuriating that they have most of their young talent locked up on relatively cheap deals for the next like eight years really frustrating I don't know how they keep getting away with it. If Julio Rodriguez was on the freaking Braves, he would have signed, you know, it would have been like, oh, Julio Rodriguez signs a nine-year, $130 million deal with the Braves. Like, it's ridiculous. Um, This is a team that won 101 games last year. Their Pythag was 100 wins, so played right to what they were supposed to. They're projected this season for about 92-ish. Which, I mean, projections don't generally like to project teams for over, like, 96 wins. So it makes sense they're projected for 92, even though they won 101 last year. And deservedly so. This team is really good. Um, Obviously, they lose Danzy Swanson this season uh, through free agency, which is tough. Uh, The other losses, they Kenley Jansen, Robbie Grossman, Adam Duvall... Luke Jackson. I mean, Dansby was really the only one that's like gonna hurt to lose, especially because I think the fan base really liked him. Like Jesse Chavez threw a lot of innings with them last year. He's he became a free agent. Like here, Ed, Adrianza, just a depth utility guy. They lost to free agency, but again, there's not um, who who they re-signed actually. I think to a minor league deal. So not not much loss, and not much like acquisition-wise on the free agent side. Uh, they signed the only like major league contract they gave out, Nick Anderson in the bullpen, which only helps their bullpen depth, which is one of the best bullpens in the game right now. And then they signed Jordan Luplo, <laughs> which is interesting. The big, big news of the offseason, they extended Spencer Strider. They traded for Sean Murphy and then subsequently extended him. Of course, it's the Braves. They just are horny for extensions, cheap extensions. Alex Anthopoulos just loves a cheap extension. That was the big trade, the big trade, the Sean Murphy trade. They gave up uh, Kyle Muller, Freddie Tarnock, Royber Salinas, Justin Yeager, uh, and William Contreras going to, uh, and Manny Pena going to both the Brewers and the Athletics and got back Sean Murphy, who is just a fantastic catcher. One of the best framers in the game. Uh, good with his bat. Just a potential just top five uh, catcher. And it only, like, 
it's crazy. They had they had three great catchers. They had Manny Pena, sort of very serviceable. They had William Contreras, who I talked about for the Brewers preview, uh, and Travis Darno, who I think is slid under the radar as solidly one of the better two-way catchers in the game. His bat is still good. His defense is still good, and he's just been a backup. But one, probably the best. He's the best catch, backup catcher in the league. I'll say it. Maybe the Blue Jays, like Danny Jansen. Um, and take that, I guess. But Travis Darno, man, he is a really good player, and especially just as a backup, he's such a good backup. But now they have Sean Murphy, who also will look to catch this rotation really well and only do good things for a rotation that already is really good, like really good, and the bullpen is really good. This team is just fantastic. And they retained, you know, all their young guys. Like, all this entire team, barring trades, is going to be around this core for at least the next five years until, like, Ozzy's contract runs out, until Ronald Acuna's contract runs out. And, like, they w- they had a fantastic year last year without even having um, Acuna or Albies for a good part of the year. Albies barely, like, didn't, like, barely played last year, but Acuna... Started slow when he came back and ended the year with good numbers. And I think he'll only, going into this season with full health, will only um, reach the heights that we expect from him as a you know, fantastic, one of the best starting outfielders in the game. And they have two of the best rookies in baseball last year in Spencer Strider and Michael Harris. Michael Harris is awesome. Spencer Strider also awesome um both could have you could have convinced me they should have won rookie of the year uh michael harris did win rookie of the year so that's fun and you know i you could have given it to spencer strider too so not a bad problem to have uh obviously they trade they trade for matt olsen last year after letting freddie freeman walk for whatever reason but matt olsen you know he's an all right replacement for uh for freddie freeman he's him and he's good Another just great guy in the field and at the plate. This team is absurd. This team's absurd. Like, Sean Murphy, Matt Olson at first, Ozzy at second, Vaughn Grissom at shortstop, who will hope to replace Dansby Swanson, but one of their top prospects who came up last year and played about 40 games and was fantastic. Very Braves-like. He came up last year, was great, good on the base path. I think... His defense will only come along, hopefully, as they develop him into a full-time shortstop. But his offense is there. His pop is there. His speed is there. It's infuriating they keep having guys like this. <laughs> and then you have Austin Riley at third base, who is one of the best third basemen already in the league, who just absolutely rakes. They locked him up as well long-term. Uh, left field is probably their most... Uh, they're probably their worst position. Uh, Eddie Rosario's fine out there, and like they signed Jordan Luplo, and he'll probably play a little left field. Ugh, Marcelo Zuna's on the step chart. Gross. And then uh, center field, Michael Harris talked about him. We'll, we'll play center field, and then Acuna will play right. Like, what a team! What an offense! So well balanced. So, like, just all of these guys, the top of their lineup can absolutely rake. 
Most of them can play pretty good to great defense, with the exception of maybe Austin Riley. And then all of them are also pretty damn good on the base path, <laughs> except for, like, I don't know, Matt Olson and Austin Riley. They're not as fast. But, God. And then you get into the pitching. Max Freed, Cal Wright, Charlie Morton, Spencer Strider, and Ian Anderson as their five. And then Mike Soroka obviously has been hurt um, pretty recently and just came back last year from a long-term injury. And if he's your sixth starter, that's absurd. That's crazy. Um, Charlie Morton took a little bit of a step back, maybe showing signs of his age being uh, 39 years old, but still as probably the... mm, Probably the number five pitcher in this rotation now. Essentially battling it out with Mike Soroka for the number five spot. That's amazing. It's amazing depth at the pitcher position. Ian Anderson, really underrated. If you don't know about Ian Anderson, learn about Ian Anderson. I really enjoy him. Great 2021, great 2020. Uh, his, his stats took a little bit of a hit last year, which I'm looking for him to bounce back this year. But as a fourth or fifth starter, again, very good. That top three is fantastic. Kyle Wright and Spencer Strider, two of the better young pitchers in the game. And then Max Reed. We know what Max Reed is. He's fantastic. Uh, uh, there's not much else to say about this team except for praise. Just praise. And, like, Kyle Wright came out of nowhere last year, honestly. he It was his first full season. Uh, he made his debut a while ago but only ever pitched out of, uh, he, no, they, they did try to start him, but he, he struggled with, with injuries. Uh, but last year pitched a full season and posted a three, one, nine here, striking out almost nine guys per, per nine innings, 2.9 fan graphs war last year, just a really good season, somewhat out of nowhere. Uh, and then their bullpen, Raysal Iglesias, one of the better late-inning guys in the, in baseball. A.J. Minter's fantastic from the uh, left side. Colin McHugh's still great out of the bullpen and can throw a lot of innings. Joe Jimenez they got from the Tigers, and I talked about that in the Tigers preview, but he was really good last year for the Tigers. Uh, Lucas Litke is fantastic. They just have some of the best right-handed and left-handed bullpens in, in the game. I, I, I generally think this is the most well-balanced team in the league. Uh, and it's not a surprise they won 100-plus games last year. And I think they'll win close to that many again this year. Like, the Mets got better. The Marlins got better. Who cares? This team is so good. Like, if Spencer Strider can build on what he did last year, he <laughs> might become their best pitcher. Uh, <laughs> just electric stuff from him. One of the best fastballs I've seen. Uh, some of the biggest legs I've seen in the game too. And it comes with a good mustache. He's he's really the complete package. Uh, it's really just health with the rotation that they'll rely on. But otherwise, there's depth at each position. There's depth in the rotation. There's depth in the bullpen. There are prospects that they could trade for a midseason acquisition if they really wanted to, I guess. This team is just so good. I don't have much else to say. Um, Things I'll look out for, I guess, 
Will they look to improve the left field spot? Um, what will we see from Acuna this year? I'm like praying that he will stay healthy because a healthy Ronald Acuna is just fantastic to watch. Will Michael Harris and Spencer Strider get better and build off the fantastic campaigns they, they had last year? I don't know what else to say. I'm looking forward to watching Vaughn Grissom. Like left field and short spot, shortstop are the question marks. Uh, it's a lot to ask for a rookie. Or I don't know if he's still rookie eligible. But a really young kid to uh, just man their shortstop spot, especially after the season Dansby had last year. But I think he can do it. I think he can do it. And then can Max Fried uh, stay healthy for the full year? And then, uh, I mean, he was last year essentially healthy for the majority of the year. And can is Charlie Morgan going to continue to age and – pitch what his age curve says he should which is just steadily decline but he'll probably still have one of the better curveballs in the game and they have the depth to to replace him if they potentially need to that is i guess the area i can see like it's always just if injuries happen this team will win less games but that is like not groundbreaking analysis and yeah there's just not there's not much else i can say or heat praise onto this team they're just so good, pretty unchanged from last year, except for the big acquisition at catcher and Dansby leaving. Otherwise, team is is still what they were last year. They were a top five offense last year. They were a top five pitching staff. And they'll probably do the same thing again this year. Uh, but it'll be a really fun battle between them and the A's. The A's? Whoa. Whoa. Why did I say the A's? Um, the Mets. <laughs> Them and the Mets. Crazy, crazy fun. I hope, hopefully it'll be this year. It was pretty electric last year. They're set at 95 and a half over under. I'm taking the over, man. This team is so good. This team is so good. Uh, and moving on now to the last team in this division, the New York Metropolitans, the fighting Steve Cohens. This team last year, they won 101 games, same as the Braves. Uh, their Pythag was 99 and 63, so right around on point. And then they're projected this year for around 95 wins, which is one of the higher, if not the highest projection we have. It's probably them, the Yankees, and the Astros up there in projections in the mid-90s. But it's a really high projection, but for... Very good reason. This team was a good team last year who had a very large lead in the division before almost completely squandering it and ending up tied on the last day of the season last year to the Braves. But they took that team from last year, and Steve Cohen said, screw it, I'm going to throw $800 million at this team. So what they lost, they lost Seth Lugo, they lost Trevor Williams, Tyler Naquin, Trevor May, Dom Smith, they non-tendered. And then, boy, their list of transactions, addition-wise, is crazy. Did you guys know they signed Tommy Pham to a one-year deal? And Danny Mendick? And Omar Narvaez they signed as well? Those were the, you know, probably least flashy of their signings, because as we know, they signed Carlos Correa. Uh, <laughs> wait. <laughs> no, they didn't. They almost did. They almost did. They almost broke... 
broke the freaking freaking status quo of baseball again by signing Carlos Correa, but then ending up opting out like the Giants. But even then, they spent so much money. I mean, everyone knows at this point. They signed Kodai Senga, the top pitching prospect out of Japan, who's sneaky. I I might put money on to win NL Rookie of the Year this year. He just looks like a fan, like a great pitcher. Uh, they signed David Robinson. They signed Jose Quintana. They signed Justin Verlander. Just ugh, they agreed to an eight-year deal with Adam or ugh, Brandon Nimmo. Um, then they extended Adam Ottavino for a couple years as well. Uh, they lost Taiwan Walker and Chris Bassett and DeGrom out of the rotation, which definitely hurts. They did, however, pitching-wise, acquire Brooks Raley from the Rays, who I really like as a lefty out of the bullpen, just a good lefty option out there. And that was kind of the offseason. I mean... If they had Carlos Correa, this team would be insane, and this team is already pretty pretty great. Uh, but no Carlos Correa kind of hurts, but realistically, it's like, eh, what are you going to do? Uh, because the best guys of this team came back from last year uh, hitting-wise, so there's not a whole lot of change in their offense. Uh, they did sign Omar Narvaez, who will catch the majority of their games this year. Catcher position is very interesting for the Mets this year because they have Omar Narvaez and Thomas Nito, who will have the most games behind the plate for sure this year. It'll split somewhat evenly between Omar and, and Nito. Uh, they're both... I think Nito's actually a, a better defensive catcher in a few ways than Narvaez, but his bat is not great. So they'll probably want to start Narvaez more because his defense is fine and his bat is closer to league average, if not as little above league average than Nito. And then they have this dude, Francisco Alvarez. And if you haven't heard of him, he is one of the top prospects in all of baseball. And he will probably start the year at the major league level with this team. I think as a lot of rookie catchers go, um, cause he came up last year, um, in late, late September and made his debut with this team, but we didn't really see a whole lot from him. I think his defense doesn't appear to be very good at the moment, which is good that they have two catchers above him. But what he is good at is mashing dingers. Um, and I think it's awesome that he won't be behind the plate this year because he'll just slot into their DH spot and hit dingers. Uh, there's not a whole lot of pressure on him to perform because this offense will be fine without him, but I'm very excited to watch him hit. He's uh, a real thick, thick catcher, not going to be a fast runner, and if he develops into even a, a decent defender, I think his bat is really what's going to drive his value. He has 70-grade power, which is which is pretty insane, and just projects to be a really, really good hitter at the plate. So their catcher position is very intriguing, and I just don't think we'll see him really behind the plate at all this year, which is probably for the best. Uh, and then first base, also a very interesting situation. Um, obviously, Pete Alonso will play every day for first base for them, but then they have... Their top, other top prospect, Brett Beatty, who we saw last year, he came up for the team, 
I want to say in late August or early September, uh, he hit a home run in his first at bat. And that is what he projects to do the best, is hit dingers, much like Francisco Alvarez. And I say first base, he's he's listed as like third base corner outfield. I just generally, I mean, I think if Peter Alonso gets hurt, they'll probably stick him at first base. But he'll play third. Um, he just comes to mind for me as a first baseman, and I feel like he'll end up there in his career at some point. Uh, so then Jeff McNeil at second base, a really good offensive player. Obviously, everyone knows who Francisco Lindor is at shortstop. Great year last year. Awesome player. Love watching Francisco Lindor. And that third base, Eduardo Escobar, will start as he did last year. But then, yeah, Brett Beatty, man. Brett Beatty's there. I know his arm's really good. I don't know about his glove at third, but his arm is great, which is why he'll at least, you know, come up and play third base a little bit. I can just totally see him being a first baseman. But he he came up last year. He homered in his first at bat and then struggled a little bit after that. He didn't play that many games before he tore uh, something in his thumb that required surgery. So I don't know what his outlook is going into this year. Uh, I know he's been playing spring training. And I, I want to say he's fully good to go. I feel like he's fully good to go, but I don't know if they're going to rush him because they don't need him absolutely to play third base. But another guy to watch out for, it's him and Francisco Alvarez as the young rooks for this team this year that can do a lot of damage at the, at the plate. At the plate. Then the outfield unchanged from last year pretty much mark canna in left and then they signed tommy fam as a, a decent backup for their outfielders brandon nimmo off the newly minted eight-year deal in center and then starling Marte in right field we know what those guys will give us they're great outfielders and then dh spots dh spot where i think we'll find francisco alvarez in a lot this year and brett Beatty a lot in this year and then also Daniel Vogelbach will probably play a lot in DH like he did last year as well. Awesome. Love Daniel Vogelbach. I don't think I've heard anyone speak ill of Daniel Vogelbach. He is very lovable. One of the biggest guys in all of baseball. And when he hits the ball, when he connects with one, oh, oh boy. Oh boy, does it go far. Mariners fans will remember that. He was our lone all-star in uh, 2019. So what else? What else with this team? Shall I get into the pitching? Oh, Darren Ruff. Darren Ruff's on the team of Giants fame. He is just on the team, and I wanted to mention it because Darren Ruff, and that's all. And then the pitching. Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander at the top of the rotation is disgusting. Elder statesmen of the game who are still absolutely shoving. So no problems in that department. After that, you have Jose Quintana, who had a very good year last year, kind of going against the grain of what he did in the four, four or five years prior to last year. He was really good after, uh, after just, I don't know, looking like his, his, he was on the way out of baseball. So I, I don't know what to think of him going into this year, but I think he'll be fine. He'll probably be the number five guy because they have Carlos Carrasco as well, who I enjoy. Uh, I think his his stuff last year looked pretty good, and he was just a solid pitcher, especially compared to what he showed us in 2021 before getting hurt. 
So I think he'll look to build on that. He's older, though. This is an old rotation. Like, this is a really old rotation. Uh, and then you have Kodai Senga, who's a rookie, but also like 30. I I like this rotation. It projects to be, um, by Fangrass War, the best rotation in baseball now that, um, I think, uh, now that Rodon is hurt for the Yankees. But again, it's a very old rotation. Scherzer and Verlander... I they're old, but I wouldn't throw them in the category of you know really old pitchers who you expect to get hurt. Those guys have been goddamn durable for how old they are. Uh, it's just after that, losing like Taiwan is tough because after that you have like David Peterson, like Tyler McGill, Joey Lucchese. Maybe they'd go with a couple openers this year. I can see this team as a spot for an extra starter through a trade. Because I see that as an issue, is starter depth of this team. But the uh, the for all the good things in the rotation, the bullpen backs it up. Edwin Diaz, the Timmy Trumpet man himself, we all know, probably the best closer in baseball right now. Him or him or Emmanuel Class A, maybe Josh Hader, but oh god, he's so good, awesome to watch, awesome dude. Uh, so they're fine in the closer department. And then Adam Adovino had a good year for them last year, and they rewarded him with a two-year contract. Div Robinson was pretty solid for the Phillies last year. They signed him. Talked about Brooks Raley, a good lefty option out of the bullpen that they kind of needed. Um, they do lose Seth Lugo from the bullpen, which I think is tough to replace. He's a very interesting pitcher, and definitely an emergency starting pitcher as well. Uh, but then they have like Drew Smith with a good amount of innings, and then... A lot of other guys will throw just innings from this team for this team this year. Uh, I'm like, like Tyler McGill as an emergency starter will probably be in the bullpen too. Uh, they have other guys like Steven Nogasek is interesting from the bullpen. This team is also really good. The offense will shine. The starting pitching, especially at the top of the rotation is, is best in baseball I just like the Phillies I have a I have doubts about the rotation depth and I have doubts about Jose Quintana repeating what he did last year and and doubts about Carlos Carrasco just because of their age uh him and Quintana they're putting a lot of reliance on them which is not necessarily an awful thing but like Jose Quintana's already hurt this year he like hurt his ribs, stress fracture in his ribs, which is pretty unfortunate. So I don't know. I they'll win a lot of games, and especially once it comes down to the playoffs, uh, you're not as reliant on those back half of the rotation guys. And sure, again, Scherzer, Verlander, like pencil them in for 25 starts a year and fantastic pitching at this point. So, and then Kodai Senga, I think, will be really good. Again, I, I'll, I'll, I'm just gonna put a bet on him to win Rookie of the Year because I think he's really good. After having watching him, him pitch in Japan the past couple of years and seeing what he's looked like in spring training this year, he just looks great. So, the Scherzer Verlander Sango one two three is awesome, and then just Quintana Carrasco, if they're even like the same or even a little bit worse than they were last year, they're fine. The depth is all I have an issue with. Otherwise, this team will be really fun to watch. It's an all-time, does money buy you a championship team? Uh, but it's only, it's not only money. 
really. I mean, obviously they splashed a lot of cash this offseason, but a lot of that was re-signing Brandon Nimmo, who they developed into a great outfielder. Uh, they Again, like Brett Beatty and Francisco Alvarez will contribute a lot to this team. Pete Alonso came up with this team as a prospect, like... They've developed a lot of good guys and then and then re-signed them and spent a lot of money that way. So it's not like they've necessarily bought the entire team. Like Jeff McNeil, too, came up with, with the Mets and is great for them. So, I you know, it'll be the, the narrative all year of if they're not playing well, it'll be, oh, well, they spent all that money just to be okay. And it's like, well, you know, sometimes that's baseball. But this team... This team's floor is is really good. It's just they got to compete with the Braves to win the division, which is very tough. I think the Braves are going to take this division. Uh, over under win totals, Mets at ninety five and a half. You know what? I'm gonna take the under. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it to them. I'm gonna take the under, partially because I think it'd be hilarious if TST, if this team misses the playoffs. That'd be an all time L for a baseball team. And the Mets have a team. I oh man, when was this team? In the eighties, like or in the nineties, like ninety two or something. I don't know. It's the best. It's the worst team money could buy. Was a, was a Mets team back in the day, and this team is not going to be that. This team is quite good, but boy, wouldn't it be funny if they missed the playoffs? So I'm going to take the under on their win total just to will that into existence because that would be fantastic content for all of us. Uh, but that is this division. Uh, oh, oh, wait, wait, I haven't mentioned uh, Ronnie Maurizio. Ronnie Maurizio uh, will play, uh, and he's a shortstop, and he was the MVP of the uh, Lydom League, which is the Dominican Professional Baseball League. He's hit a few dingers in spring training this year. He has huge power. And uh, was the MVP of that league last year, where he 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 had like 800 OPS, hit a lot of dingers. He's really big at the shortstop position, strong arm. We'll see him play for this team this year, which is sick. <laughs> I don't know. I don't like he won't you know play a lot of shortstop with Lindor unless he gets hurt. But that's depth there in the infield too. Is Ronnie Maurizio? I almost forgot to mention him. He, I. Remember the name Ronnie Maurizio. If not just for that, he won the the Lydom MVP last year at like age twenty, which is crazy. So another another good young player for the Mets. But with that, now I'm officially done. I'm officially done. How this division's gonna go? The Nationals will take last. The Marlins I still think will be fourth, although I like the team, and then I think the Phillies will be a comfortable third place. And then I think the Braves will take the division from the Mets. Uh, and I think the Mets and, and the Phillies might be close in win totals and battle it out for, for the wild card, potentially. That would be fun. Um, but that is it for the NL East. The AL East is coming up next later this week. But thank you for listening this far. If you do, you know the drill. Rate and review. Tell your friends. Uh, hit me up on Twitter. My email is in the podcast bio if you want to ask any questions. If you email me anything, I will talk about it on the show. So email me whatever. Doesn't even doesn't even have to be about baseball. Email me about life, uh, and I'll talk about it. But again, thanks for listening, and I hope you have a great, great day.